Hey, what's up, guys? Shane Larson here, host of the show. Want to remind everybody to get 10% off your built protein bars. You can go to the link that's here in the description and uh, get your discount code, get 10% off the protein bars. Grab a pack of bars, listen to the show. You're going to enjoy this episode. Now, today on the show, we're bringing on a combat fighter. He is the number two ranked cruiserweight in the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, BKFC. But he's fought in multiple disciplines, former boxer, mixed martial artist, and he fought for a high promotion in mixed martial arts as well. He understands mixed martial arts to a, to a T. He's been doing it since he was a kid. And today we're going to learn a lot from him. Uh, it's going to be an awesome conversation chatting with him about his history in sports, the the different sports and what's tough and what's what's like the differences between each one of them, um, what he's taken from certain sports into BKFC. And we're going to even be talking about like his favorite punches, uh, some of his best opponents that he's fought, different stories that he has in the BKFC. And we're going to give you guys a chance as well, if you're interested in sponsoring him in future fights, how you can do that as well. So much great content coming today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. You guys know the drill by now. It's been five and a half years since we've been doing this show every single week, bringing on a new sports figure, hearing their story, getting to learn from them. And uh, today's no different. But before we get into that, I want to do a couple housekeeping items. Make sure that everybody's following me on my social platforms. You know, I don't have the biggest following everywhere, but I do love talking to all my followers that are there. So make sure you're following there. And if you're listening to this for the first time, maybe this is your first episode you've ever listened to because you know our guest. Well, hey, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you got if you got an iPhone, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps get out to more people. At the time of this recording, we're in 109 countries, all 50 states, and that's because everybody's support from sharing the podcast over time because this has all been organic over the last five and a half years since I started this in my kitchen of my last house. So anyway, we're excited to uh, be bringing on our guest today. I've actually been following this guy for quite some time. You guys know I love combat sports. Uh, I used to be a boxer myself, even at the amateur ranks, but I love just all combat sports. Now we're talking about the bare knuckle fighting ranks uh, and, and kind of getting into that world. I've had a couple of guests on my show in that, and one of them was his opponent, actually. So we're going to get to know about his story. Um, his name is Quentin, the hero Henry. We're uh, excited to have him on here. So, Quentin, thanks so much for joining the show, brother. Man, I'm glad to be here. What's going on? Let's get it, bro. Let's get it. So right before we started recording, I kind of brought up a, a funny story. I don't know if we want to call it funny, but uh, I, uh, I think it's interesting. So back when I was in high school, MTV had this show called Caged, and it was kind of interesting. It was taking these these younger cats that were, you know, aspiring MMA fighters down south. Like some of them are from humble backgrounds and so forth, and and whatnot. And there was an episode on that show where one of the main characters, if you will, one of the main guys, gets dropped, just absolutely obliterated, lights out. Um, and I didn't find out that that was Quentin who did that, uh, laid the wood on that kid. Uh, until years later, it was probably just about six months ago, and uh, I got to see that. I was like, holy crap, that's the guy that was from that show that I watched in high school. So you've been fighting for quite some time, um, and you even got a little spotlight on MTV, Quentin. So talk to us about when you got into the combat sports world in your life, because it's been it has to have been over 15 years now. 
Yeah, um, I've uh, I've always done martial arts since I was four four years old. I started in Taekwondo and I started boxing when I was about eight. Uh, it's just what me and my dad did. Um, you know, he did Jeet Kune Do. We trained together. Uh, and then it's just something that, you know, became kind of a passion of mine also uh, with learning through it. But, uh, yeah, I had my first fight <clears throat> in the Battle of the Badges, actually, when I was like 18 years old. It's like an amateur boxing event. It's like for charity. The cops fight the firemen and all the money goes to charity or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, right when I turned 18. And then I had my first MMA fight a little bit after that. And I'm 32 now. So um, I turned professional when I was 21. So it was right after that. It was about a year after that fight that was on MTV. Um, you know, by the show, by the time the show had aired, I'd already turned pro um, and had a kid, you know, because the pilot episode happened like, you know, I think it was over a year after, you know, it was filmed when it came out. So, um, but yeah, so uh, went pro when I was 21 and uh, I did MMA for about, uh, I guess, till I was 28. Uh, I was 12 and six as a pro in MMA. Um, I was ranked number 15 outside the UFC at one time at 185. Um, I had, uh, I think I ended up just retiring pretty much because I was kind of having some injuries and <clears throat> and uh, a lot of it just, you know, the sport wasn't the same as when I had started, you know, so much of it, you know, had to do with, uh, you know, either, you know, how much attention you could get more so than your skill or, you know, who you knew. And, you know, I just, uh, it's a rotten world, really, you know, when you're on the business side of it, as far as promoters and stuff, taking advantage of you, you know, promising things and not coming through. Um, you know, so I kind of just decided that I was going to, you know, just run my school, my gym and just be happy and get away from the things that make me mad <laughs> and, uh, give me stress. So, uh, but then, uh, the bare knuckle <clears throat> deal came through. I think it became legal in 2018 and then, uh, or maybe early 19, but, uh, they called me on like a short notice. It was about like, I think I had like 28 days, uh, for a fight. <clears throat> and like I said, I had been retired for about eight months. So I was only 29. And, uh, but I hadn't been doing any boxing, any of that. All I've been doing was jujitsu. Um, and, uh, they were like, yeah, well, uh, I was like, well, how much money is it? And, you know, I always wanted to do the bare knuckle because one of my, one of my coaches <clears throat> at my gym, he, he went and did like BKFC two. He fought in and it was, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, if I ever got the chance to do that, I would, I, you know, I want to, that would be, I would hate myself if I had the chance and said, no, <laughs> you know, right. so then the opportunity came through, they called, you know, and, uh, I think it was like, they were paying like $2,000, which was high for me, yeah. <laughs> you know, most MMA fights at the end of my career, I was probably making, I mean, even when I was fighting for legacy fighting championships. Uh, you know, I think my purse was like 15 and 15. So it was like, you know, which sounds like $3,000, but it's only $1,500 <laughs> and it's yeah. another 1500 if you win. And, you know, it's called fighting, not winning. You can't, you can't guarantee that, you know, that's one of the ways they play you on, uh, on getting you to, to, uh, to accept lower money, you know, cause really they're only making 1500 paying you 1500 and you and the other guy are fighting for the, for the bonus money there. 
but <clears throat> so yeah, they were. I was like, yeah, I'll fist fight somebody for two thousand dollars. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Because uh, that's like my favorite thing, you know. Even you know, like even more so than just like regular boxing, you know, or any of that. It was like it didn't matter who I ever fought or in MMA or whatever it was. It was like I don't think there's anybody that can beat me in a fist fight, and because uh, that's a totally different animal. And, uh, you know, but it's crazy to do that <laughs> and it yeah. wasn't legal for a while, you know, so they called me and, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, and then I showed up and I ended up, uh, it was the first fight, uh, on the very first show they ever live stream on YouTube for free. And, uh, you know, so there was a lot of pressure behind that, you know, as far as, you know, it being on them, like, I had no idea really, I knew it was going to be live on YouTube, but, um, yeah, so I ended up knocking the guy out. We had a straight-up war, um, super tough country fella uh, named Bubba. Um, I was better than him. And you can see, like, at the beginning of the fight, it was just complete adrenaline, just running back and forth. You know, and then at the end of, you know, when it got towards the end of the fight, I calmed down started uh, boxing him up and then knocked him out. And then, uh, you know, that went viral. And, um, <clears throat> man, it just kind of went from there. We had the whole corona thing. Uh, went through having to go through quarantine and that was giving us trouble having being able to fight uh, you know what places they could put fights on and uh, so we ended up you know I just kept pushing I would show up to events and um, you know I would I was actually making weight for fights that I wasn't even in but I would make weight and show up to the fight and then tell them like hey somebody backs out I'm here you know I'm like I'm that way I'm ready to go um, you know, so eventually Corona chilled out, you know, we were able to get some more fights and, you know, now I'm, uh, I'm five and one, uh, my only loss is to Chris Liebman, um, you know, which I don't feel bad about saying out loud, but, yeah. uh, you know, I still feel bad about it on the inside cause I know I'm better than him, but, uh, you know, it was his retirement fight. And, uh, I think it was, I w- it was my first time to have a, a fight that big and, yeah. um, you know, I think that kind of got to me a little bit. And, uh, you know, some people like just kind of choke and get like reserved and don't do enough. I did too much. I was just amped up. And that, but that was kind of how it was supposed to be, you know, because he, he called me out because he's known as a, a legendary brawler. And, and that's what he wanted was a brawl for his yeah. last fight. And uh, so, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't any, I'm going to go out box this guy or we're going to do this. It was like, Hey bro, we're, we're throwing dick beaters and getting after it. And yeah, uh, dude. that's all we're doing. And, you know, I came out on the losing end of it, but you know, he felt me the next day. So, uh, yeah. you know, but you know, since then I've been, uh, three and oh, um, I've my last three fights, I've pretty much just dominated the opponent the entire time. Um, but you know, I owe a lot of that to losing that fight to Chris and, uh, you know, it kind of helped me grow and, and, and just relax a little bit, you know, stick to my game plan and stuff. It's, it's, it's made a huge difference. You know, it's so interesting. Um, I, as I've watched you, for those who, who don't pay attention to the BKFC, I don't, I have a lot of listeners that are mainstream sports fans. They might not even know that the BKFC exists. That's why I do this show. So I can bring light to some of these sports. It's actually phenomenal. And, and your style, what I like about your style is one, at least, on camera i've never met you in person you look big for the weight class like you're like you're, you're pretty fit and you look like you're pretty big and you're super technical with your striking which is is it probably why you're so successful like you just know how to strike and you have good instincts and 
pretty phenomenal power. Um, and so that's why I think you, you do such a good job. But I love I love the sport. You can see the guys who are comfortable in there. I've never really seen you like uncomfortable, uh, at least what it looked like to me. Now, I do have a question. You had you referenced boxing, and I've talked to other boxers before who are in the BKFC. Like I said, I, I talked to Chris Sorrow on the show. Josh Hammer Burns was on the show one time. This has been over a year. But um, they had talked about some of the differences between regular boxing and, and bare knuckle. What I've wanted to know, though, is like in bare knuckle, it's almost like it, it's it's shorter rounds. And so it, it, it seems like you'd almost be able to conserve some energy. But to me, it looks like the guys are like, gassed after two rounds if they even make it that far can you talk to me about why that might be why shorter rounds you're looking at two minute rounds um but why everybody just seems to be so tired compared to maybe like a, a boxing match you can go three or four or five rounds and you're, you're you're tired but you're not like completely drained what what's the difference there is it just the adrenaline pump well a lot of it has to do the reason that we have two minute rounds is to encourage action um you know if you have a longer round then you have more time to take breaks and, uh, you know, you, you slow out on your, on your pace and, uh, it's just the same, uh, if you're, you know, like a runner and, you know, like I'm running at a seven minute pace or an eight minute pace, you know, it's like, I can still put in the same amount of work, but a seven minute pace is faster, right? I can yeah. do a mile in seven minutes or I can do a mile in eight or nine minutes. Right. And that's kind of the difference in what's going on here is that, uh, and, and in the rule set, we're told as the fighters, you know, we it's understood that we're not here to sit around and play chess, you know, like we're, we're going to war. So it's not we're encouraged for the action to keep going. The whole rule set is kind of schemed towards that to where action never stops. Uh, so, you know, and a lot of times and I do it, too, like so I've uh, like I spar and I train everything for like two minutes, two minute, 15 second rounds. And the pace is just completely different, uh, you know, because I've had sometimes I'll go spar with guys and we'll do a three minute round. Well, I'm pushing a two minute pace for three minutes. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of that three minute round, I'm I'm pretty wore out because to push at that, you know, my RPMs are higher, you know, for that whole three minutes. Now, once if I'm used to a three minute round, well, then I'll lower it down a little bit. You know, I've got more time to kind of set things up. Um, but, yeah, it's a. Uh, that that's the biggest difference I probably would see is you see a lot of more lull time in boxing. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, uh, I mean, really half around in boxing is just standing there. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, in boxing today, anyway, I mean, maybe not Roberto Duran or some of those legends, <laughs> but, uh, most boxing I see, yeah, more than half the round is them just standing there or covering up. And that's not what we're doing. Uh, we're in there to fight and we're supposed to be fighting every second of the fight. And, uh, you know, so that's what we're encouraged to do. No, I dig that. I appreciate you giving that insight. I uh, I wanted to pick your brain, too, on, you know, you see a lot. It, it's funny how the BKFC and keep in mind, like what I was told is like BKFC is not just bare knuckle boxing. It's bare knuckle fighting. That's, that's where you have a little bit of uh, you're allowed the, the one handed tie hand up behind the head, you know, and you can and get some tie ups and punches there which is different than just normal boxing. So that's that's one thing I wanted to clarify there for anybody who's listening from what I understood. Uh, BKFC, bare knuckle fighting, uh, is a little different than just bare knuckle boxing by itself. But, I mean, it's pretty much bare knuckle boxing with a little bit of tie-ups and stuff. But I want to ask you this. So with your experience, you've done jiu-jitsu and other martial arts. You've done boxing. You've done mixed martial arts. And you did it at a high level. Okay, People don't realize, like, legacy is a high level for mixed martial arts. Like, that's that's a promotion that's that's a high level. Um 
some people are like, oh, these local guys are not like, no, nah, dude, that's a high level. So you understand everything. Now you're in BKFC high level, right? Um, what would you say is the hardest uh, fighting style or do they all have their own unique difficulties, I guess. But like, what do you think is the hardest? Uh, I mean, MMA is probably the hardest to train for, for sure. Um, and it's just because there's more disciplines involved. I mean, it, you know, it makes sense. You know, if, um, you know, boxing, I'm worried about two hands, you know, I'm worried about a specific rule set, but then once, you know, you throw in kicks, right. Boxing versus kickboxing, it's just a little more complex. Uh, MMA is, is the same. Um, you know, I've found that like training as far as training camp, you know, bare knuckle boxing seems to be much better on my, my body. I'm able to kind of handle it a little better. Um, but it's really, and I've found that the issue with training for mixed martial arts is that, uh, you know, and it's the same issue I'm having now because I own a jujitsu school, you know, so it's not like I'm not grappling and, you know, so, but I kind of have to lay off my grappling when I'm training boxing. Uh, like when I have a fight coming up or I'm, you know, working pretty hard right there. And uh, because it's two different uh, muscle groups, really, you know, you're using the, a lot of attention, strong, you know, slow twitch muscle when you're grappling, you know, grappling's basically like cardio with lift, lifting weights with cardio is what yeah. I tell people. Um, it's just, you're constantly using strength, but at the same time, you're trying to not use strength and, but, you know, and not even if you're using strength, you're just resisting somebody, but in boxing, I'm supposed to relax, you know, as I, I'm not supposed to feel my arms when I throw them, my arms are loose. And, uh, you know, so trying to train both of those different muscle systems is, seems to be a, a cause of injury for me. And I'm assuming a lot of other people there. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, you know, MMA, because you're having to hit the, the grappling and stuff. Um, and if we're talking like risk and reward, you know, the scariest is probably bare knuckle uh, because, you know, the cuts and the lacerations and things like that are, are, are higher um, and bare knuckle. Um but uh you know so is getting kicked in the face that's yeah that sucks too so uh, yeah it's all i would say that um the least scary is probably a regular boxing match to me um having boxing gloves on um yeah just the issue with that is you're taking more punches which is more brain damage and, um yeah but uh yeah i mean as far as most difficult it would be mixed martial arts just because of the you know complexities of the different systems totally but it's interesting to hear about the other stuff you mentioned risk reward i actually that'll, that'll tie into one of my questions that i that i had prepared for you uh bare knuckle is interesting to me i've never fought bare knuckle but the whole concept is i think it's awesome um i could see benefits to it like it's a smaller space so like you're not like when you, you're when you're a defender and someone's got gloves on especially boxing gloves it's a bigger space so that they actually have more area to actually hit you. Uh, so in my opinion, people are like, well, it's scarier with bare knuckle. And I'm like, yeah, but they have a smaller space to hit. So slipping might become easier. It might be easier to dodge stuff. I don't know. Like I'm like, there's certain little intricacies to the game that I think play a role, but like you were talking about lacerations, you're talking about, I mean, you can, you can break your own hand a lot easier if you're not careful, you know, or you just hit it at the wrong, like maybe they duck their head. Yeah, or you, just you know, they've actually been doing a study on that since bare knuckles started. We've got a, a doctor, Dr. Mussey, I believe is his name. He's a, he's like world renowned neurosurgeon, you know, he's at all the fights, but he's been doing a case study on, on bare knuckle versus the other sports. And I had one, I don't have it on me right now, but they've got, um, you know, but the study is showing that, that bare knuckle is really, 
uh, lower in all the categories across the board than MMA and boxing. As far as uh, hand fractures, um, I think, uh, yeah, hand fractures and then um, like concussions uh, were a lot lower as far as uh, boxing or, or MMA. And I uh, forget what the other is. Um, but, you know, the only thing we're higher in is, is uh, our facial lacerations, um, you know. So and really the way I look at it in that aspect is that, you know, I would rather, you know, I'm married already. I'm already too pretty, you know, so it'll be okay if I get a couple stitches. So we'll end up rolling through, you know, but if, if I'm not taking brain damage, then I can still, you know, tie my shoes or teach my grandkids to tie their shoes. Yeah. One day. You know, so, um, yeah, the I, I can tell from as a professional that's done every sport, um, as far as getting hit, you know, in bare knuckle, the pain is pretty, you know, it's pretty severe as far as the surface pain, um, you know, but uh, but as far as the brain damage and feeling it in your head, it's it's the best. Uh, I mean, the least painful, I guess. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's the best. But uh, yeah, because I mean, I've had MMA fights and boxing matches and stuff. And like when I get hit, I can feel it in my brain. Like, uh, you know, you get your bell rung. It sounds like when somebody kicked a kickball. Yeah. Like, that kickball noise. That's what it sounds like in your head. And that's what a concussion sounds like. And um, so, you know. I, I haven't had that in bare knuckle. You know, I'm also, I'm fighting at a little heavier weight class, so I can probably, you know, take a little better punch too. But, uh, you know, I remember in MMA, it was like every punch I got hit, it, I could feel it. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, that, that's what I'm looking at, um, really. I've got, I grew up laying brick. My hands are fine. You know, if, if you can't take it, you just ain't the sport for you. Um, you know, I've had, I've had zero, you know, fractures on my hands and anything so far. So, uh, you know, I'm not, not too worried about that. I mean, some people got frail hands, you know, go to regular boxing. I, I dig that. I was going to ask you, do you do anything outside of like what you, I mean, your hands are, I call them mechanics hands. I got buddies that like, you know, they, they got this, the labor hands. They're, they're tough, man. Like, right. so do, you, <laughs> do you do anything to condition them though for your knuckles? Some guys will hit boards, some guys um, will do that stuff. What do you, well, do you do anything? I, I pretty much just don't wear gloves ever. Okay. And uh, even when, you know, ever, I've, and I've been training pretty much my whole life and I could probably count on both hands and feet, how many times I've actually wrapped my hands. Really? <laughs> um, okay. Interesting. And it was just something I never did. Um, and it used to be, uh, you know, part of it was that in my head, I was like, okay, if I don't wrap my hands, my hands will get tougher. My hands will get stronger. Um, you know, so, you know, like I'll show up to sparring and people be wrapping their hands. I'll be like, damn, bro, you plan on hit me that hard? Like, <laughs> you know, what's <laughs> going on? But I've never wrapped them, you know, and then another part of it is I'm lazy and I don't, you can't keep them clean. You know, I'm not washing them every day, you know, and I'm also not going to have 10 pairs. I'm just not going to do it. They're going to get lost. I'm not rolling them up. They're going to be matted up in the bottom of my bag. Just, and I was like, no, I don't need them. I'll be fine. So, you know, for, I guess, 16 years, I've been boxing without them. You know, if I, we hit mitts, if we hit heavy bags, um, you know, so it just the only time I, I've ever wrapped my hands is when I was going to go fight uh, the day of the fight. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've just, I guess, built it up over time. I mean, laying brick, working on my hands most of my life. So, yeah, Dude, sure I, combination of all of them. I dig that, though, and I totally relate. <laughs> 
I'm lazy. Don't want it. That's funny because I freaking one of my least favorite things to do with hand wraps is like roll them up. Like they take oh, yeah. because they're like sweaty and they get kind of like crumbled up a little bit because you're right. turning them between your knuckles. And so you're trying to roll them up. And dude, it takes like 15 minutes. It's annoying. And you're already tired. So you're like, ah, this yeah. is stupid. I got time for that. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was laughing because like I relate to it. And I think most fighters could probably relate to it, but that's that's funny, man. So in the BKFC, uh, Quinn, I just want to kind of ask you about this. When when you go into what they call the squared circle, like what's the energy like in the BKFC compared to other promotions? Do you feel like it's a professional promotion? Do you feel like there's a lot of energy there? Like when you go into the arenas and so forth, like what is it like for a fighter compared to maybe when you were in MMA at, at Legacy uh, doing the, the uh, what was it, LFC? Um, so what what's the, uh, I guess, the comparison there? Man, I mean, as far as, you know, production and value and things of that nature, we, you know, I've never fought for a better place. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, how contracts work, you know, they're all pretty professional with that, how the shows is ran. It goes pretty well. I mean, I, they're, they still use a small group of people to run everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think they're working on expanding their staff. So, you know, there's some issues here and there about, you know, time frames before fights or, you know, things of that nature. But, um, you know, it's nothing that I would say is a huge deal, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, but they're, uh, they're great to work with, you know, as far as that goes, their, you know, production value, the, they have some issues with their app, but they're working on it, you know, that kind of deal. But yeah, man, it's, uh, I've never been to a UFC fight or anything, but I did fight for legacy, you know? And I mean, they're, they're surpassing whatever they were doing when I was there. That's cool to hear. It's just cool for me to see like a, from a business side, uh, like I'm, I'm also an entrepreneur businessman myself. So I like to see how, you know, they yeah. run the, the thing and how they treat right. their fighters. It sounds like I, I haven't had anyone. Well, I've only talked to you and two others that are in the promotion, but I haven't heard anybody that fights for BKFC. That's actually had anything really terribly negative to say about the promotion, but you'll hear, you know, in other sports, especially combat sports, you hear people, you know, they're frustrated. The fighters are frustrated with certain things. Um, it doesn't seem to be the case here. So that's pretty cool to hear. Um, when you, when you get in there, uh, what I said before is that you're a very technical striker, in my opinion. I think you're you 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 understand and you have a long reach, and from what it appears to be, like you've got a build that's pretty dominant in the sport, which is probably you know part of the reason you're so successful because you understand how to utilize that. I am curious though, like boxing. Hey, use your jab, use your jab, and then fire off a two. You know, like get your get your range, then bang. You know, um, how often do you stick to the fundamentals, or is it just swing and bang? the plan is to always stick to the fundamentals. Um, I felt like in my last fight, I did that pretty well. Um, didn't get, you know, out of control or anything. Um, you know, the fight before that with sorrow, I picked him apart. I was super technical the whole time. Uh, got a little sloppy at one point, um, before the fight ended, you know, the one before that, uh, was kind of the same thing. Started off real technical, had a couple moments where I got a little wild, but you know, didn't matter. I was knocking him out, but, um, I didn't end up having to pay for it anyway, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I get better every time out there really, you know, this last fight is the best I've ever felt mentally, emotionally, um, and, and sticking to my game plan. Uh, because I know without a doubt that if i if I go in there and box the way I know how to box, there's not a person that can beat me. Um, they don't, they don't know that yet, but they're figuring it out. 
and uh, you know the way I see the game isn't isn't a game of of uh, you know chance or you know certainties. It's all statistics. It's all angles. It's all you know. I've got an answer for what you're doing. I've got things that I'm making you do that are only going to give you one of two options, which both answers I know. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, there's things like that um, that if I calm down and use, uh, I don't think I can be stopped. But um, you know, so that, but that's always the game plan, you know, because you go, there's a fine line between having the adrenaline rush work for you and against you. And, um, you know, you can either be heightened by it or you can be crippled. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at now is, uh, you know, mastering that. And, uh, you know, end of the day, once you, once I get that figured out, there ain't nothing anybody can do. No, I can see it's, it's interesting from a fan's perspective. I can see like the rise happening for your, like your career, like you're, you're, you're showing you're proving you've already already, already proved that your skill set's top notch um and like your confidence is there and it seems like you've figured out the game like it's pretty good and it's it's fighting so at any time like something can happen but like you've pretty much figured out the game and you're you're dominating in there it's kind of cool to watch i i do want to know this though you're talking about adrenaline uh for fighters that's a big deal like you train all this time it might be an eight week training camp six week 12 week who knows but like you have a training camp you're getting ready for your fights whatever and you feel like you're mentally there, but sometimes when it comes time to actually fight, you're walking out there, you get out there, and now the bell rings, you're ready to fight. All of a sudden, it feels like the chemical reactions in your body go differently. Like you start to get, you get the adrenaline pump or you freeze or something happens. And like, it almost feels like everything you just trained for, like kind of goes out the window all of a sudden. Cause you're like, oh shoot, I, it's like a different feeling. So there's a way to master that a lot of good fighters can, you know, they have a pre-fight ritual. They listen to certain music or they try to get themselves in the right mentality so that they don't have like an adrenaline dump where they like freeze up. So I'm curious, do you have any like pre-fight rituals that you do? Do you have music that you listen to and how do you control it? Is it through breathing? Is there anything you do? Or is it just like, Hey man, I'm going to go out there and swing. That's what I've been doing my whole life. Uh, oh yeah. You know, everybody gets nerves. Um, everybody gets nervous and they get worried about, uh, what they're, especially if whatever you're doing is inherently dangerous, you know? Um, you're not supposed to fight people, you know, your brain, no matter who you are, you understand that if you get in a fight, you might get hurt. And you always know that in the back of your head. And, you know, you've got, uh, in this book I was reading, you've got like your, your, your monkey brain and you got your logic brain (laughs) and your monkey brain says, Hey bro, not cool. We shouldn't be doing this, you know? And then your logic brain turns around and says, yeah, I know that, it's possible to get hurt, but you know, I've been training for six weeks. I've been running every day. I've been watching film on this guy. You know, I've been practicing this, um, you know, and that's kind of where all that, that rules boils down to. And, uh, you know, you've got to be able to justify to the nerves that, that they're, you know, overreacting, you know, it's, we're going to be okay. And if you don't have good preparation in your training camp and things of that nature, you're just not, you're not going to do it, um, you know, and that's what you have to link. That's one of the things you've got to, to look back on, you know, like, man, I had a great camp. Everything went good. You know, you're going to be fine. Uh, you know, and then another is um, you just got to understand that it's going to happen and it's supposed to happen because what you're doing is a is a is a, a situation that you're putting yourself in that's going to make you have to you know it's not actually life or death but it might as well be when you're in there because that's the way it feels when you're throwing 
because it is, you know, you're risking serious injury. So you're going to have that fight or flight response and you have to choose whether it's going to be fight or flight <laughs> and you can't choose flight and try to fight somebody with that. Um, you know, but not only is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that get crippled by them, but, you know, I try and look at them as like, a, you know, I need that. You know, I need yeah. my, my senses to be heightened. I need that adrenaline. And it's not something that's going to cripple me. It's something that I'm going to use. And, uh, you know, that's how I, that's how you go to beast mode. That's superhero mode where you can, you know, do things that you don't know you normally can do. So, you know, I expect the nerves to come. And when they come, I'm ready for them. And I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, that's, uh, you know, good. Now I'm ready. I got, you know, I got my juice going. Uh, you know, he's in trouble. You know, so it's matter. Of, it's a matter of perspective on how you look at it a lot of time. Yeah, I love that, man. I think a lot of athletes, even if you're not in combat sport, you can actually like benefit from what you just said is you're going to get nervous. You just got to it's a perspective. It's a mindset of like, OK, we're going to do this anyway. It's going to happen. It's time to like right. utilize this for the good, like that nervous energy. Let's get it like it's just I, a I sign that it's important to you, you know, and that's any like you said, that's any sport. Um, you know, but you got to know that those, those nerves are coming naturally to help you. Are you still with me? There you are. I'm back. Uh, it, just, it just froze on me. I just I saw you freeze and it, right. it went out. It's all good. I'll, all I'll right. snip that one out. So, yeah. So as we were talking, got a couple questions left for you. But as we were talking, you know, talking about the nervous energy that, and like you said, it's that just shows that it's important to you. And I think that's it's so it's so important for us to remember that athletes like you always see the they call them practice all Americans, whatever sport it's in, they're great at practice, but then they freeze in in the spotlight. And just yeah, if we can master that particular aspect of of our sport or whatever we're doing. I think that's going to be super important. Um, as the, the listeners are seeing now, they know just from the title of this show, they know who you are. They're probably already Googling you by the time they listen to this. Usually what happens when I bring guests on that might not be familiar with the person or the sport. Your nickname is the hero, Quentin, the hero, Henry. So where did that come from? Where did the hero come from? Uh, I was a, uh, firefighter for nine years. Um, for, I guess when I was 21 and then I left when I was 30. So, they, uh, yeah, that kind of went with it. Um, somebody kind of threw that out there, I guess, l early on in my pro career and, uh, kind of just stuck, you know, and, you know, I went with, you know, the firefighter thing, but I was also, I was the guy that didn't have all the tattoos and, uh, you know, the green Mohawk and wasn't running around flipping people off wearing tap out shirts and stuff. You know, I was, I was kind of, you know, I, I was my, I was more of a, you know, a bright spot in a dark sport was kind of the image I had, you know, taking pictures with the kids, um, you know, being cool with the fans. Um, and I wasn't, you know, a sellout to a lot of that nonsense. And, uh, you know, so, you know, a lot of my goal was to show people that, that you don't have to, that there's a lot more fighters out here than the ones running around here acting like a fool. And, uh, 
you know, I think uh, because that I, that's given me a lot of problems in my life when people were like, oh, you're a cage fighter. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I do mixed martial arts. Well, they instantly think, you know, OK, well, this guy's crazy and he's going to kill everybody in here, <laughs> you know, because we burn his toast, you know, or something like that. And uh, that's such a terrible stereotype because that's only like small, small percentage of guys that fight or train. You know, majority of us are pretty good people, and especially the fighters that end up being pretty good. You know, uh, you got to be pretty disciplined to reach that that you know the height of the sport, and um, you know, so that that was kind of part of the deal there too. I was you know the the local hero type of deal, hometown hero going around. I dig that man. That's super cool. I didn't know that part. So uh, looking at your career. Let's look at bare knuckle fighting, like in, in your, your bare knuckle experience. I've seen you land some bombs, okay? Like I've seen your right hand power, especially like it cracks full. So I want to know what your favorite fight was. What was your favorite like punch that you threw that was just like a bomb? Boom, just hit. And then what was the, the hardest shot that you took so far? And this is specific to bare knuckle. Um, My favorite thing is when I hit somebody with the jab and I get their head to snap back. Like when a jab lands really good, it feels uh, awesome. Uh, if you go back and watch the Jay Fish fight, um, I hit him with one and uh, I had my hands down. And then, you know, when he came in, I slipped the jab in there and rocked him back. And then it just like I hollered at him. I was like, oh, <laughs> it was, you know, but yeah, that's probably my favorite. Man, a lot of times when I hit people with my right hand, I don't even feel it, to be honest with you. Um, it just they just go down <laughs> when it lands, but uh, I can feel it when I hit them with the jab. Uh, but yeah, that's probably my favorite punch to land. Um, probably the hardest that I've been hit. Um, definitely, uh, Chris Lieben hit me pretty hard with the left. It was the left that dropped me in our fight, um, cracked me here in this orbital, and I don't know if anything was broken because i didn't get an x-ray but it was pretty messed up but yeah that's probably the the most solid shot i've taken in bare knuckle for sure you talked about it earlier as well like you know uh like the the, the surface pain in bare knuckle is probably the worst but like do you feel that shot during the fight or do you not feel it till afterwards like when your face i mean obviously it rocked you um kind of you feel it okay that's uh, what i was wondering i was wondering if you kinda, feel it yeah that's the difference in bare knuckle and regular boxing to me really and i guess because the surface pain is so known by the glove um that it doesn't you know it doesn't hurt on the surface for some reason like it's weird and um it only hurts inside your brain <laughs> like yeah. in your face in your head and uh so yeah, when you get hit bare knuckle, it, it stings. You know, it's a difference in like if I were to slap you in the back or punch you in the back. You know, you're just stimulating the nerves in such a different way, and it just it just burns like hell. Like it, especially if you get cut open or something, it just burns really bad. And uh, but yeah, you feel it a lot different. You know, because you know the knuckles are smaller. You know, when they're digging in there into this the spot. You know, like my last fight, I got a broken orbital, and this eye. Uh, and it wasn't from like what I kind of cracked my cheekbone here too. It was like a small fracture, but like my orbital on the inside was broken, but it didn't, you know, you can't hit the part of the, the bone, but when his knuckles pushed in on my eye, it just caused so much pressure that it broke those little eggshell shaped or thin bones in my sinuses. 
like a pressure relief type of deal. And then with the boxing glove, the knuckles won't go in your eyeball, you know, you know, just little things like that. But, uh, and he only hit me once, bro. That's wild. And it was just a perfect shot. It was like, bam, it kind of popped me a little bit. I was like, damn, it kind of hurt. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, that really hurt. I'm like, why does it hurt so bad? And then I couldn't really see good out of this eye. And, uh, and then I dropped him right after that. Cause I kind of backed up. I was like, all right, I need, all right, I need a second. And then I double pumped and hit him with a left. And then as soon as I dropped him, I walked off and was like, you know, rubbing my eye. And, uh, I think I wobbled him again before the round was over, but like I went to the corner and was talking to my coach and I was like, man, I can't, it was like, my eye hurts. I'm like, I don't know what happened, but my eyes is killing me. And he was like, let me see. And he's like, well, you're not cut and, uh, you're not bleeding and, had the cut lady look at it and uh, you know he's like well can you see and when i would open both my eyes it was kind of double vision but if i would close this eye i could see out of it so i was like yeah and then he was like all right bro listen you just gotta deal with that shit <laughs> he's like prepare yourself now to just deal with it he's like you gotta just get over it and deal with it i'm like all right shit uh, and then i dropped him i think it was 18 seconds into the second round i hit a little double jab on him and put him down. But, uh, yeah, the other guy had like a broken orbital, uh, cheekbone, nose. Uh, I wrecked him pretty good. Uh, he ate a lot of jabs. That's all it, yeah. all it takes. I'm so glad you said that. So, like, it's funny, all the things you're saying, because uh, a, kid, a kid that I coach for basketball, he's a high school kid, I started – he wanted to do some boxing training because he knows that I still, I still like to train. I like to do that to stay in shape, but uh, he wanted to hit the mitts. He's never done it before. So I was training him on the mitts and you know, they don't realize how taxing it can actually be. If you're not used to boxing his, he's Mm -hmm. like, my calves hurt. My shoulders are tired. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're only going two minutes. And it's like, your calves are on fire. But I did tell him, I said, listen though, like when you get in a fight with like, like boxing gloves, you'd be surprised. Like you can take some shots and it's not as scary as you think. Cause like, it doesn't hurt. What I said is like, it doesn't hurt as bad as you think. Right. Like I've had my jaw broken, that kind of hurt uh, in the moment. But I was like, usually when you're getting shots coming at you, like it doesn't really hurt on the surface. So when you said that, I, that that makes total sense. The other thing is, I also told him, I was like, if you're in a street fight though, or like in a backyard brawl, like if you can throw a like a a good jab, a good solid jab, you can break someone's nose, or you can pop them pretty good to where they're gonna feel it. Um, and you just saying that because you have a really good jab. You like crack the fool with a jab, like multiple jabs. Like you busted his face open. So I think that's so cool to hear like somebody who knows how to do it say those things. That, and that's wild though, that the shot to your eye. I didn't realize that's, I watched the fight. I didn't know that's actually what ended up happening to you though. So it's cool yeah. to hear it from you. Man, it's funny because like I end up going like in my training and stuff, I train all kinds of combinations and footwork and different pathways and, you know, back and forth. And, uh, but, you know, like I tell my coach and we say at the end of it, you know, I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, all that's plan B, because if you can't get past my jab, I don't have to use any of the rest of that stuff. Uh, you know, so, and, and I mean, I had, um, I think the sorrow fight, I think I hit him with like 17 jabs only through like two right hands, you know, but he ended up with like 28 stitches, a broken orbital, broke nose. You know, and that was all from lefts. You know, the right hand I hit him with caught him like on top of the head right here. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, man, you, if you know how to throw a good jab, uh, you know, I, I, I think that I, I jab harder than most people's rights. And, um, you know, so it's just all about technique 
um, you know, I think I've got some inherent gifts maybe that make me a little better at it than others, but, um, I've, you know, I've showed people the way that I do it, you know, whether, whether they're going to, you know, put in the same type of practice that I did to get perfect at it, you know, we'll see, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it all comes down to physics and, you know, mechanics moving through, uh, shifting your weight. And, um, you know, uh, well, it's, it's overly lacking in all, all combat sports, really a good jab. There's a lot of people out there not using it and it's underutilized. Um, and I think it's just because they don't know how to throw it right. Um, you know, um, I can throw jab, I can drop you with the body jab, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've done that to people. So, um, you know, once, once you know how to use it and you focus on it, I think people just get too, too carried away with thinking, Oh, I got to hit them with a the right. I got to hit them with this big overhand, this big power shot, you know, and, uh, you know, you train right, then they're both power shot. Exactly, man. I, it brings me back to a, a time back in the day. Uh, I'm 33, but like, uh, I probably was in middle school, high school, but Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins were fighting in a promotion. Like they were fighting one night, not against each other, but against other opponents. And then it was supposed to be like the the build up to their fight. So if they won and they were going to fight each other, they were trying to build it all up. Hopkins rolls through his guy. I can't remember who it was, but De La Hoya is fighting some German guy. And I remember that being a very anxiety ridden fight because the German just was cracking him with a jab for the entire fight. It was like 12 straight rounds, just bop, bop, bop. And people were a little bit worried. I can't remember the guy's name for the life of me, but everybody was worried about what the scorecards were going to say because De La Hoya's face was messed up. And yeah, he, he was obviously like a superior fighter, De La Hoya was. But like, I remember that. Like, everyone's like, oh, dude, did anybody score that for that? Like, and it, right. I think it was either a split decision or it was a very close unanimous, but like as, as far as scorecards are concerned. But I remember like even Bernard Hopkins came out and was like, dude, I was in the locker room watching that. I was a little nervous. And that's what I'm saying, like a jab. I'm so glad somebody like yourself can say that because it, it it can be so powerful and and bust people up if done properly. So yeah, two I questions left. Coach, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Coach, uh, coach Sparky, uh, he was a heavyweight back in the day. Like when he was a teenager, they used to take him around to go box the champions at all the different prisons. Oh shoot! Yeah, because they they didn't have people that would fight him, and uh, yeah, he was big. But like he would go fight, you know, because every prison back then had a boxing team, you know, and they would have their own champion and then the prisons would fight each other. You know, they would have that was like a big deal back in the day. I guess that was probably, man, I was probably like 50s, 60s, something like that anyway. But, uh, yeah, they would take him as like he was like 18 or 17. They take him into the prison and he would go box the champions of their of these different prisons and stuff like, yeah, yeah, it was wild. Anyway, but yeah, I was uh, 18 and I was in there boxing uh, at this little, you know, public sparring event and I was beating up everybody. And then my dad was like, uh, you know, Sparky, why don't you go in there and go a couple rounds with him? And he was like, okay. <laughs> and he hit me with so many jabs that and it, it just felt like I was getting hit in the face with a bat that I couldn't see. It was like an invisible bat was hitting me in the face. And everything I tried to do just didn't work because as soon as I made a move, I was getting hit by it. And uh, it was so hard. I'd never been hit that hard in my life. And, uh, you know, after I got done, I mean, it took me like two or three rounds just to kind of get some timing on it. And, uh, and, you know, then he started throwing his other hand. And then I'm like, you know, so then when I got out of there, I was like, I got to figure out how to do that. And uh, so, you know, that was kind of just where it started. And, and it just never stopped after that.
That's so crazy, man. I think that's so cool. Uh, Quinn, just two questions left for you um, that I really just want to pick your brain and, and maybe just give you a chance to kind of tell us about some advice. So, like, if you could speak to the younger athletes that are out there um, that might be aspiring to whether whether they're a, a, in combat sports or if they're just in a normal athlete playing mainstream sports, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever it may be, soccer, I don't know. What advice would you give to those athletes that want to compete at, an, at a higher level? Uh, you're obviously competing at a high level in combat sports. You know what it takes. Mindset, discipline, physicality, whatever it may be. What what advice would you give them? Uh, man, I could talk to them all day of uh, what not to do. And, uh, you know, for sure, I definitely had a, a, a system of trial and error. You know, I think a large aspect of it is, is that, you know, it needs to be important to you. It needs to be, you know, basically your job. That's how I think about it. Uh, it's my responsibility to make sure I'm getting my training in and doing what I'm supposed to. But at the same time, you need to have some other purpose. And um, because it'll 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 be it'll become an addiction, just like just like crack. You know what I mean? Um, and before you know it, you're pushing people away and you done ruined your you know, and then everything you've worked for is not worth it at the end of it. You know, when you can, uh, when you can prioritize it and treat it like a job, uh, you know, is like, okay, I'm training from two to three, you know, I'm training from this time, um, you know, but, but get organized in what you're doing, get up early, put in two hours, you know, and then I can go about my day and do whatever, you know, I, I I'm not at the point where I just get to fight all the time. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I got, I got two other jobs. You know, but uh, and that's how most people are when they're coming up trying to make it. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, what the sport is. But as long as you're making sure you're better than you were yesterday, you know, do something to be better and and look at it in the long run. You know, don't look at it as, you know, results need to happen immediately. Uh, you know, when I was in my 20s, I said I was going to retire by the time I'm 30. Yeah, I'm 32 right now and <laughs> I'm at the height of my career. Uh, you know, but my skill has gotten so much better and it's not something that I could have done any faster. You know, it was just things that I had to learn over time, you know, and that's the difference. And, you know, I've put in that many more hours and uh, the experience makes the difference. But it's just being consistent in your training. You know, don't you know, keep it part of your routine every day. You know, this is something that I do. If I, you know, I tell my wife, I'm like, I got to get a workout in today at some point. Like, hey, I need to run to the gym and do this. Or, hey, I'm, I'm about to go get a run in. You know, and, uh, you know, but I prioritize that around everything else the way that I would, you know, a job. But I don't put it in front of my family or church or my wife, uh, you know, because in, like Eminem is that's one of the things that I kind of picked up from him. This is weird. There was a guy talking about collab doing a collaboration with him on a song. And he was like, man, he treats this like work. Like he shows up 8 a.m., he starts recording. He's doing it at 11. Boom. All right, we're done. We're going to go eat lunch. And then they're like, man, we're in the middle of doing this. He's like, no, it's lunchtime. And he leaves. He comes back and then he works till five. And then at five o'clock, he's done. All right. See you later. And they're like, man, we're in the middle of the song. We'll get it tomorrow. And then he moves on to what he's doing. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's not something that's unobtainable. It's just done in the, in the right process. That is, that's actually a really cool example of that so i know you can't give exact details right now of everything but i just want to know like generally speaking what uh what is the the goal for for you quentin the hero henry like what is the goal for you in the bkfc 
um, and what should we expect to see from you in the near future? Should we see it fighting for a title? Do you want to hold that belt? Uh, how long do you see yourself fighting that kind of thing? Like what, what do we want to see or what do we expect to see from, from Quentin, the hero Henry? Uh, my next fight I was told should be somewhere around uh, October. So we're hoping for that where they're trying to get everything locked down right now. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for the 205 pound title is what I was told before my last fight. And after this one is that I'm, you know, I'm the next contender. Um, David Feldman said in an interview live, you know, he's like heroes fighting for the title. He's earned it. So um, that's what I'm looking at now. They're trying to, you know, figure out who's going to sign this contract to fight me. Um, you know, but you know, my plan is just, you know, be a champion is what I'd like to do. I think, you know, really I'm at a point, I've done a lot more in sports than many people have, yeah. uh, you know, and just to even get to the point where you can say, you know, you're, you're deserving of a, of a chance to fight for a world title is a big deal. Uh, you know, and I feel like I kind of achieved that in a different way, you know, than a lot of people, as far as, you know, I don't come from a power gym, you know, I didn't, you know, move to go train with, you know, Jackson Wink or, or you know, do yeah. this, everything I've learned and done is just, you know, from me and my dad and, and training. And, uh, you know, I did it with the guys that are here and, uh, you know, like none of my teammates are even professional fighters. Um, you know, they just train. And, um, so, you know, I think, that in itself is an accomplishment to be able to say, you know, I was the best in the world at something unanimously by getting a title even better, you know? Yeah. So um, I'd love to, to be able to say that that's been the goal from, for a long time now. And, you know, after that, I don't know what happens. Um, you know, we'll look at, you know, defending the title, maybe going and taking another one from somebody else. Um, we'll just have to see, see what's up on that. Uh, need to be something that interests me, you know, because, yeah, you know, what do you do after you get the belt? You know, like what's next? <laughs> you yeah. know, so um, you know, you could go on a on a long spring of trying to, you know, you know, get a record of defenses or something like that. Um, you know, that would have to be something to where the money would have to be there. Um, you know, because I haven't done this for the money the whole time. It's just been for, you know, for to prove something and, and get show people what I can do and you know, to the, the title has been the goal. Yeah. Uh, you know, after that, you know, we just, it just had to be something for fun. I don't even know what that's going to be like. No, cross that bridge when you get there, right? You'll figure right. it out at that point. Yeah. But that's super cool, man. Uh, I know like for the listeners out there, if they're following you on social media, I'm going to link your social media here, but like you have reference sponsors when you guys go to fights and stuff. Is there anything that like you can tell my listeners if they, if they're interested in sponsoring you, I don't know how the sponsorships work. Is there somewhere they can go to get information on that, that they just need to message you on social? Like how do they get in touch with you if they're interested in a sponsorship? Yeah, they can hit me up on uh, Facebook or Instagram at uh, hero. Henry is my, my tag on Instagram. Uh, we've got different packages involved with, you know, being on the t-shirt or being on the banner, social media, shout outs, uh, getting on the shorts, things like that. Uh, just hit me up and uh, we can go from there. I can send you a package over. Uh, but yeah, next fight looking at October, um, you know, shout out to armed forces, roofing construction, tracks for chiropractic, uh, uh, LJ's heating and air. And, uh, so yeah, I've got, got some good sponsors coming on board on this one, but I got room for more if anybody wants to get on. 
Let's get it. I'm going to link the, the, the Instagram and Facebook pages down here in the description of the podcast. So if those who are listening are interested, go follow him, send him a message and he can get you the details on the sponsorship packages. Quinn, I just want to say thank you, brother. It's been an awesome time chatting with you. You got a fan in me, uh, even more so now I was already cheering for you. So now, uh, I got another reason to cheer for you. I'm excited to see where you go. I just appreciate you joining us for the, for the podcast, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For all those listening, make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.